0: Hmm. Right, from here, I think we are All right.
1: Come <laughs> on Just made up, virtual insanity. Now our seem to become a masterpiece. We
2: have all
1: used
0: 2022, and today I have, um, I would like to cover the solidarity rally that I went to yesterday at UC Berkeley that was held by the UC students in solidarity with the railroad workers. Um, I have a few clips of that event. Um, it, we had a pretty strong turnout for Tuesday afternoon, and um, a little bit of background in case you're you're not somehow following along. Um, there's about 48,000 academic workers at the University of California that, who are on strike. They're going into their they're in their fourth week right now of being on strike to get wages that. Um, actually cover the cost of living and uh, some other things that improve their working conditions because the amount of uh, work they do for the money they're paid is, is not terribly fair. Because those workers have been on strike, they are members and, and they are they're members of the United Auto Workers Union. There are quite a few different university and college systems that um, have UAW represented unions. Um, they have been paying attention to what's going on with the railroad unions and their um, impasse. Their their the results of what happened with Congress, basically approving the tentative agreement that that four of the 12 rail unions voted down. And those four unions represent 55% of all of the employees of all of, of the railroads. And that's being imposed on them. And they, it's been made, they've been told that is it legal if they go on strike. If you are following this story, you may have heard that a lot of people trying to encourage them to go on strike, seeing this disruption of the economy, 40%, I think I've heard quoted of the economy moves by rail. And importantly, some of the things that move by rail are the chemicals that your wastewater treatment plant needs to continue treating the wastewater to safe levels. So, and rail is one of the few ways that some of those chemicals really can be shipped. So they have a lot of leverage, but Congress in the bill that they passed in, in addition to imposing the terms that were favorable to the railroads have made it illegal for these workers to go on strike. What does that mean when workers go on strike and it's illegal? Well, for these workers, it could mean not just being fired, but also because the federal government oversees their retirement, their pensions could be revoked. Would that be illegal? Probably. Would they have to fight the federal government to try to get it? Yeah. If the federal government says you went on a legal strike therefore we can seize your pension and not give it to you seems pretty um straightforward to me that that might be a risk a lot of these workers are not willing to take even though there are a lot of folks that are trying to encourage them to do what's called a wildcat strike, which is where the rank and file goes on strike without the authorization of union leadership. This brings me back to, well, what's an illegal strike? So one of the other things besides revoking pensions, I don't know if that's the right word, revoking, the federal government um, also can seize all of the assets of a union which means their strike fund could be seized. And that means that there's no strike pay for people who are on strike and no resources for attorneys if people are arrested, which by the way, nine people were arrested in Sacramento at a sit-in for the UC academic workers, striking folks. Side note. But this is why you need to have assets, why you have to have a strike fund, why you want to have a union that has strong um, financial assets, so that when you come up against um, all of the difficult things that you can come up against, you can get by. So, what I'd like to do now is I'm going to play the the clips that I have of, of the audio from the, uh, UC rail solidarity rally that happened yesterday, which was December 5th, 2022 at, at UC Berkeley with the rail workers and some, um, enterprising undergrads, grad students, and. Yeah. I will be taking calls too. So if you have any questions, I definitely am open for questions. And because this is the first time that I'm using this particular setup, please let me know in the chat if you can't hear something because That would be just, I mean, you come here to listen, right? There's nothing to listen to. That's no good. All right. I apologize for some of the quality. Hopefully we can. Hopefully the quality will be good enough.
2: Students for Solidarity with Railroad Workers. Um, we're kind of a loose coalition of some UC graduate students who are currently on strike right now, which is really exciting. Um, some undergraduates who are here to support as well. And we also have some folks with us today from the RWU, the Railroad Workers Union. Give a big round of applause. And today we're we're really here to talk about how the struggle of UC workers and railroad workers are intimately connected um while you know we're both working in different industries um in different aspects of our society railroad workers are incredibly important to infrastructure for business and commerce graduate students also play a key role in maintaining um, the education system and are also workers who are being exploited um and while while well, there's some key differences between the two i think there's a lot to learn from both the struggle of railroad workers and the struggle of uc workers um so we're going to have remarks from a whole bunch of different folks today um first i'd like to bring up ripley um, who's a member of our coalition and an undergraduate student here
1: something that the the uc
3: Telling us when we keep talking about the strike is that their hands are tied and that they don't have any influence over the cost of living and thusly cannot subsidize their workers with a fair enough wage to uh, compensate for that cost of living. But that that is completely false. As the Bay Area housing crisis worsens by the day and the prices of rent and food continue to increase without signs of stopping, it's more important than ever to act in solidarity with our fellow students who are on strike. Because for, for the grad students, UC Berkeley and all of the UC campuses have put their grad students in a position where they have to make the decision to either starve or strike against the institution that doesn't consider them to be being worth enough, to get paid enough to compensate for the cost of living in what is now considered the most expensive college town in the nation. And we, the, the, the grad students here are paid less than most every other institution regardless of the price of living. Um, and that, that's according to Google, by the way, who says that UC Berkeley is situated in the most expensive college town in the country. And the University of California system is known to have had a hand in creating the housing crisis that has made Berkeley such an expensive city, but that that isn't unique just to Berkeley. Um, Santa Cruz, Santa Barbara, and many other UC college towns alike have struggled with exorbitant housing prices, exorbitant prices of food, transportation, and all of the things that uh, lead to the cost of living. And they've done this by increasing their number of admitted students to a point where the city housing infrastructures were just not built to withstand the amount of students that the universities are admitting every year. The uh, universities are increasing the number of admins, which adds impact to the the housing that's already such a strange bubble, where it's so expensive. Um, UC Berkeley really needs to read it's so because for years, and throughout the strike especially, but U.S. specifically has had this narrative stating that the cost of living is out of its control, but of course that's not the case, because I, how can the school say that has no impa- impact on the cost of living when it you know, has control over the housing market? You now these houses that the grad students are paying for that are university provided, back in twenty eighteen the average cost was thirteen hundred dollars for a one bedroom apartment. And or no, I'm no, sorry, thirteen hundred dollars for one bedroom in a six bedroom apartment. So that's thirteen hundred dollars for one bedroom amongst five other people. And now that thirteen hundred dollars, that is the cheapest that um oh I'm sorry, I misspoke earlier. Thirteen hundred dollars used to be the average price of that student housing. Um but now that is the cheapest that you can get grad student housing, now in 2022 versus in 2018. The cheapest unit that you can get, that is that one bedroom in the six bedroom apartment. But that's, that's not all. The, the actual prices of grad student housing go up to $2,000. Um, and that is the same amount that these grad students are getting paid each month. So I don't know how the university is expecting its grad students to be able to afford $2,000 units. Uh, more than $2,000 units, so that is what they're getting paid a month, not to mention the price of the food. According to Google, that's almost uh, $500 a month at a minimum, but I can tell you my prices of food, that's like $600, $700 a month. So if you're adding that to the $1,300, which is the, the minimum cost of grad student housing for rent at the university, you're already reaching your, your $2,000 a month that the university is paying you, and that isn't a lot. Any extra money for textbooks, any extra money for transportation or child care if you're a parent or any other needs that might come up. If you have a medical emergency, um, if you have to pay for insurance, if you want to entertain yourself, you don't have any money you know, to. They are being paid wages that are fair in comparison to all of the labor that they do. GSI teach such a large chunk of undergraduate classes, and they only make $24,000 a year and barely get enough to make rent. Meanwhile, the lecturers that these GSI are doing most of the labor for are getting paid upwards of like hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. And those lecturers just come in and show their slideshows and basically, you know, they're not doing anything. all yeah. Yeah.
2: Thanks so much, Ripley. I think it's quite telling that as UC becomes more and more privatized over the years, as more and more of our schools funded by private donors, that more and more of the labor is getting put on graduate students and associate professors who are paid hardly a living wage, while full-time faculty becomes an increasing minority that are paid higher. It seems like a pretty tactical strategy by
1: the UC to split up the academic workers and make an underclass, upper class within that
0: group of people. So I, I appreciate you pointing that out. Okay, the next, um, the next clip up is, um, Steve from the railroad workers. My name is Steve Anders. I'm a union mariner
4: of over a quarter century. I'm a member of the Inland bowman's Union and the union IW, IW affiliate and the IWW. I grew up in a railroad family and I graduated from UC Berkeley in 1994. The of the UC bosses is nothing new. When I was here, student fees went up from a, a paltry amount of 800 a semester in 1989 when I enrolled. 300% higher it's almost 3,000 when like, I graduated in So, this is nothing new. But I'm share a message on behalf of Railroad Rivers United, of which I am a solidarity. The Class 1 Railroad bosses have been reaping record profits for a quarter century, and yet they are moving less freight now than they have at any time since 2006. They are swimming in money while well, the industry is contracting when it should be expanding due to its, to its efficiency and its potential as a major climate solution. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, during that time, 30% of the workforce has been lost in the last five, four and five years. In spite of the potential for rail as a climate solution, the freight costs are hostile to the expansion of passenger trains, which can be used for commuter rail. In fact, the greed of the capitalist railroad bosses has grown so egregious that the Class 1s have pissed off every major shipping group with their BS, thus even turning a good deal of the capitalist class against them. The recent deal, in these air quotes, brokered by Biden and rammed down the throats of the working class by the Republicans and Democrats alike, will not solve the problem. This is not only just naked class war, it's a recipe for complete implosion and meltdown of the nation's railways. The lack of paid time off will just induce more railroad workers to quit, and without their brains and muscles, not a single wheel can turn. Ooh. The freight carriers, the freight carriers, will cause their operations to grind to a complete standstill due to a mass exodus of uh, mass exodus of workers quitting, and the lack of ability to move freight. It'll take passenger rail down with it, and it'll destroy the U.S. economy. and will severely impact the environment. It is not just due to the naked greed of the capitalist, railroad capitalists. It is due to the inescapable logic of the capitalist system, which demands short term profit and capital accumulation at the expense of all else. (laughs) Through their greed and capitalist logic, they have created an inescapable quagmire that they cannot solve. The only solutions lie in meeting the railroad workers' demands. At the very least, this is a very small ask. President Joe Biden should sign an executive order mandating speed sick time for all federal employees including railroad However, that just a short term to Because the internal logic of the capitalist system will only induce the railroad bosses to continue to try and squeeze the workers to death. Whereas one of the people here in this rally just so have put it put stripping the copper wiring out of their own walls. Yeah. Therefore, we are left to the inescapable conclusion that the nation's railroads must be nationalized, and the workers must run the system. Woo! Yes. If we all do this, the nation's railroad network will collapse under its boss's own greed, it'll destroy the U.S. economy, and it'll render essential climate solution inert and useless. Granted, this is a huge lift, but the working class organized collectively is capable of achieving that. To start, I urge each and every one of you to go to railroadworkersunited.org. Sign up, and get involved. They welcome the participation of non railroad workers as long as the railroad workers run the organization. Your solidarity is essential,
0: and our solidarity collectively together is essential for feeding back the bosses and transforming this rotten system into something that actually works. In case you missed that link, that's railroadworkersunited.org, and you can join as a Solidarity member. All right, the next person up is named Katie. I a really key point, which is that under the current system, these
2: crises of workers getting squeezed more and more are just going to keep happening when that endless quest for profit is at the root of the whole railroad system and our whole economy in general. Um, our next speaker, Katie, um, who used to be a graduate student here and is part of UC Students for Solidarity with Railroad Workers, is going to talk a more about the economic implications of why these strikes keep happening. Um, and what the path forward is for workers in all different sectors across the U.S. and the world more generally. Um, Before I start speaking, I want to bring the energy up a little bit, so I'm going to do a little chant. Um, So this is a repeat after me chant. This is a repeat after me chant. Thank you.
1: Without railroads, where would we be?
2: Without Without railroads, where would we be? No more food or energy.
1: No more food or energy.
2: Without railroads, where would we be? Without railroads, where we be? No more food or energy. No more food or energy. What more without railroads, where would we be? Without railroads, where would we be? No more food or energy. No more food or energy.
1: No food or energy. No food or energy. Okay,
2: thanks everybody. So I think that Steve just painted a really vivid picture of what's at stake in this fight of the railroad workers and how much of an extreme reaction they're facing for fighting for the most basic concessions for their own bodily health and well-being. It might seem incredible that these companies that are raking in money hand over media I.e. be ruthless, um, no matter how much blood it left on their hands. But at the same time that so much power and wealth is being consolidated into the hands of fewer and fewer people, at the same time, in their hearts and minds is growing and accumulating more and more fear and terror of the people who they oppress on a daily basis for their own wealth and well-being. And that's because they know that there are many, many, many of us and very few of them. And that they have everything to lose and we have almost nothing to lose. Yeah. What would happen if over 150,000 railroad workers in the U.S. went on strike and all of America saw through their own direct experience? The power of working people coming together, engaging in collective action and withholding their labor to protest and mitigate meager wages and horrible working conditions. The bosses are terrified of that. What if, here in California, the 48,000 graduate students, uh, postdoc and academic researchers, uh, saw, while they were on strike here at the University of California, uh, a labor movement joined them that's even greater in power and they were galvanized and motivated and their spirits were raised and they had the strength to carry on because they saw that other people were doing it too. The bosses are terrified of that. And what if during this huge strike that's happening, not only the UC workers but all workers in America who are seeing their paychecks getting burnt up by inflation start getting together and start talking to each other and start asking, where is this inflation coming from? And they realize that in large measure that inflation is happening because of the corruption and inefficiency that's inherent to monopoly capitalism, that's inherent to monopoly capitalism and that even though our individual and particular grievances and demands may be different from workplace to workplace, that actually at the end of the day, we are waging the same struggle. The bosses are terrified of that. Woo. It may seem incredible that the self-proclaimed number one public university system in the world cannot afford to pay the people who perform the most essential educational and research functions of the university enough to make rent every month. otherwise. That history is a long one. In the 1880s, there were hundreds of railroad companies across the U.S., but by 1906, just seven of them controlled over two-thirds of rail track miles in the country. And as the wealth was accumulating amongst fewer and fewer people, Other industrial capitalists could not be satisfied just by exploiting the people and the resources in their own countries, and they all went to war with one another. And our revolutionary forebears saw it for what it was, which was the dynamics of empire playing out to its highest extent. But nevertheless, they could not stop twenty million people from being killed in World War One. They will tell us that we and all future generations are consigned to a fate that cycles between glut and destruction and we will tell them that it has never been the will of the people to fight rich men's wars Woo! they will tell us that wealth must always be encircled by apps by poverty and we will tell them that there is enough wealth for everybody we will tell them that human ingenuity is more than enough The challenge of distributing that wealth. They will tell us that the demands we're making today are unreasonable and we will tell them that we've heard that lie so many times that we won't listen to it anymore because we have bigger plans for the transformation of this world into something so great and so wonderful that we can barely even comprehend it from where we are right now.
0: like to call up Chris,
2: a member of the UAW Rank and File, to talk more about the UC worker struggle and how it's connecting to the broader struggle at hand.
5: Uh, thanks so much. Um, my name is Chris. Uh, I am a, a Rank and File organizer with UAW 2865. I'm a PhD student in English, and I'm also an international student here from Ireland. Um, and what I First off, I'd I'd just like to to thank uh, this group, uh, the Cal uh, Revolutionary students. You've been really great allies from day one, especially Colleen on that first day, helping us out with uh, the extra bullhorn, leading chants. And yeah, you've been been showing up in support of our strike. Many of you are also on strike with us right now. Um, Yeah, I I appreciate your solidarity. Um, What I'm gonna do is uh, read a statement of solidarity and an analysis uh, put out by some rank-and-file workers uh, currently on strike at UC Santa Cruz just a few days ago. Uh, so these are these aren't my own words, but I 100% endorse them. <laughs> um, okay. There is a common thread that runs through the current plight of railroad workers and the largest strike in the history of higher education at the University of California. And this common thread is the question of who sets the terms of workers' struggle. This question is posed in different ways, for instance, in the largest strike in the higher education sector across the UK, with the university and college unions new, and most characteristically, the astonishing working-class struggle waged by the rail, maritime, and transport workers in that country. As the House and the Senate in the U.S. compete in a perpetual race to the bottom, a race they now think is over, A race to the bottom exemplified by the suppression of the will of the rail workers in the US, workers must carve out a unified path forward, even as previous options are seemingly foreclosed. For us, this means further widening the window created by tens of thousands of academic workers at a time when so many forces, our employer, government, and labor liberals alike, conspire to close the gap between the transformative character of our strike demands, and the status quo that generated them. At UC Santa Cruz, at UC Berkeley, and across the University of California, we are building towards a long whole strike. We have argued that only through continuing to utilize and sharpen the strike weapon can we win our demands. This holds true whether or not a tentative agreement is reached within the coming hours or days. Whatever no vote campaign emerges must understand itself as a phase within the arc of the long-haul strike. These demands, it must be stressed, are not impossible to achieve. They are within reach if our fight continues to understand them as principles guiding our strategy, rather than bargaining chips to be marshaled or discarded whenever it is most convenient. Those who deem capitulation the more effective strategy, can and do succeed in demobilizing struggle. We are accustomed to expect nothing. So often, work in higher education is conceived as paying your dues, as serving your time, as something to be endured rather than struggled against, neatly resolved by the prospects of career advancement. But in the case of our strike, we can perceive an alternative path. UC workers struggling over their conditions of work have measurably raised the bar for what could be expected without a fight. We should not expect scores of workers in higher ed to easily abandon the collective power and solidarity they have discovered in the strike. Should the rail workers, in the hopes of cutting a deal, have modified their demands for paid sick days and made the of the freight companies. And the lukewarm conciliation of Congress? No. The question is entirely unique. With such forces arrayed against the workers, there are not many options available. But with an urgency scarcely perceived in labor struggles of recent memory, it is the workers who will make the correct decision over the course of their struggle. And this is something no Congress or law can stop. The so-called cost-of-living crisis in the U.S. and the U.K. is no less urgent than the strikes that have sparked in higher education brush up, against the, brush up against the limits of legality in different ways. Labour law in the U.S. is singularly repressive, but it is not only the U.C.'s corporate lawyers that work to uphold it. Its repressive function has been internalized by the panic-stricken elements Grad workers are justifiably confused by this. Why strike at all if the deals brokered three weeks into the strike appear no different from the deals offered prior to the strike? If this is the practice, what must be concluded is that concessions granted through the strike were concessions accepted before it began, and it is the strike itself which must be conceded next. There is an alternative conclusion, however. And one demonstrated by the workers at UC, at UCU, rank and file workers at the Union of, of Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way employees, BRS, among others, as well as rank and file workers, the UK. Okay. When workers stand up for themselves collectively and persist in doing so for as long as they deem necessary, existing labor laws and the desperate declarations of politicians are merely pieces of paper. Woo! It is clear that the struggles in the freight industry, those springing from the grueling conditions faced by workers there, are remarkably relevant for grad workers struggling to make a living in higher ed. And vice versa, as the rail workers themselves have acknowledged over the past weeks and here today, The current rail barons have refashioned the industry in the image of their 19th century predecessors. Just as UC has attempted to reimagine the public system of higher ed as a vast sequence of private exchange run by administrators with no educational background or mandate. While UC has used public education as an alibi for its private investments, the freight companies, lacking such formalities, have carved out a system to all but ensure the desperation of its workers as the condition for its profits. Is this a difference in degree or a difference in time from higher ed, where unionized workers are pitted against each other over an ever shrinking pool of resources, and whose contract expiration serves as a reminder that they could always lose what they already have? One thing is clear in whatever section, in whatever location, the terms of workers' struggle will be set by the workers themselves.
2: Solidarity forever. Thank you so much, Chris, for reading that statement and just sharing your thoughts more generally. That was really inspiring to hear. Um, and I think it really shows, again, yeah, how, yeah, the differences between these struggles are quite slim, but the common theme of workers being oppressed by their bosses, getting screwed over with shitty contracts, and being lied to by the legal system that they have no other way, struggle for a better life um, is, is a deep deep connection between the two. Um, Katie has some more chance for us to be really quick. Okay, thanks Chris. Um, thanks so much for coming out today, guys. We also want to have a meeting this Friday at 2.30 in the same spot to kind of board more just general discussion and of course we can talk after the round two about the passport for solidarity amongst all the different groups here um i'm just going to share some great remarks about the political system and how it's connected to the bigger economic reality we're told that the government will protect the rights of workers as long as the right politicians into office But both parties the united think like real workers we are told that the easy reasons and their promoted bureaucracy because it's the well-being of workers and students at the forefront of their priorities. But when the UP pays the workers so little that then you're facing all of them, that lies on class. We're told in all of our different jobs and industries in the U.S. that our bosses just can't afford to pay us any of the poverty poverty wages. But they're bullshit, but their profits grow larger and larger each year aqui, <música> papai.
0: Tried to clean it up some. I don't know.
2: I'd like to call up Chris, a member of the, U-
0: the US. That's what I, mean. I don't think this is going to be.
2: you are. So I'm to against
0: something more specific. Um, the deadline for the rail workers to strike was supposed to be December 9th. Um, again, unless unless we can show these one hundred and fifteen hundred and forty thousand 140,000 workers across the country that we have their back, including if their pensions are pulled, it seems unlikely we're going to get a mass uh, strike of the rail workers. But if you have a railroad going through your town, if you have a station or a depot, you should go down there. You should call. You should go to Railroad Workers United and sign up for their email list because they will send you a bulletin if there is going to be an informational picketing near you. And informational picketing isn't striking. It's um, exactly what it sounds like, and it isn't. In, it isn't a work stoppage, so it's not illegal. There are. are there's one union right now that has been on strike for 600 days. They just had their second Thanksgiving on strike, and the bosses won't move at all. So there the the capitalists are becoming more intransigent and refusing to take any kind of deal. I think the thing that makes me most sad is not only did Congress not have to impose such a shitty deal, they could have changed it to give the rail workers what they wanted. They could have been on the side of the worker, but instead they were on the side of blaming the rail workers for demanding reasonable things like a predictable schedule and paid sick days. That those are the people shutting down the economy. If the strike happened, that's not who would have been shutting down the economy. It would have been the railroad companies who refused to be reasonable and pay their workers and hire enough workers. To me, this is a situation if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. But it's hard when this is a blind spot for the media, apparently. It's like they they were like, oh, Congress took care of that. We don't have to deal with this anymore. Thank goodness. The rail strike was averted. Right. The strike was busted by the federal government who should be protecting the workers, not the company's profits. On that happy, happy note, if anyone would like to call in, I'm more than happy to answer any questions if I can, and if I can't, I will say so. We're There's a few people working on a project that is not yet uh, fully formed and um, needing date to come but I think we're going to be beginning with some sort of information, like a library, but like digital, and a library that has a public space, public forum space. But I'm not exactly sure how that's gonna be implemented yet. If you, you, and the, the point of it, at least in my mind, because we haven't, as a group yet, had a discussion the point of it is to uh, try to make some inroads in, in what is clearly a breaking down system and find ways of either patching cracks or building new what needs to be built. And I know I sound super excited about that, but I actually kind of am. There's a lot of there's a lot of energy And at the rally yesterday, I think every person who was ancient, who was there, was there with the rail workers. And there were a lot of young people there too. I, there's a, there's a rally today in Baltimore, similar rally, um, solidarity rally, and how did this particular solidarity rally happen? Um, let me tell you, because I was there when it, this whole plan was hatched. On the first Friday of the strike, there was a group of people that were sitting with their strike signs and they had an extra sign and it said, teach in. And they were talking about what is a strike and they were talking about what can we be doing, what's the current deal on the thing, basically educating each other about what was going on. And out of that, they decided to form a group called UC Workers in Solidarity with Rare Workers. Just the like eight of them, they set up a signal group chat. And in a week and a half, they put out a flyer. That's what the, um, if you, if you can see the the um title art for today's show not the usual crowdsourcing logo but the other one that's the poster they made up and there were probably 60 or 70 people there this is something you could easily do where you are about anything whether it's anti-war in Ukraine, anti-escalation in Taiwan, pro-Ukraine support, whatever your particular thing is. Hakeem, welcome. What's on your mind?
6: What's on my mind is that um, I am very kind in um, coming to understand what's really going on outside of my tiny little world. And uh, I just read the links that you have posted here, the the website. And um, I got to say, I'm kind of ashamed that um, I'm that ignorant. (laughs) Don't be ashamed
0: to be ignorant. Be happy you're
6: learning, right? Yeah, but it's.
0: What do you mean, I mean by that?
6: It's, it's so organized that it's. I mean, I, I just wonder how could I not know? And even myself think that it's possible for people to want to organize in this way. I feel like I maybe I've become like despondent or something (laughs) like has my outlook on life become so gloomy that i just like quit and just submit to the (laughs) i I feel like i feel like that's what happened
0: so I, I i i i i i hear you I, I hear you um, more than just like with my with my ears, but with my brain and my heart. I've gone through my own ups and downs about getting frustrated of not getting anything accomplished. And it's so trite to say that it's always darkest before the dawn and you know there's the eye of the hurricane there's all kinds of metaphors that that are meant to trip you up out of a rut when you get discouraged but i that's not where i try to be in terms of what other people need people need to go through these times when they're hard and experience it and it'll life is what it is and what one of the things that really helped me a ton was showing up down on the picket line with the mental health care workers not because it would be th- free therapy or anything but it was a, it was people that were fighting for what they thought was right where are you in the world Hakeem?
6: virginia beach virginia
0: Virginia Beach. So one of the things that I would that I would say is 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 it's possible that it's highly likely that either there's an Amazon warehouse or a Starbucks that's trying to unionize or there might even be a strike near you. Being around people really I, I'm not a people person. I don't like crowds. I mean, I will tolerate them if the music's good enough, but I don't like crowds and I don't tend to be a people person. But really, just being around some people that are all facing in one direction because they need some more rights really gave me some boosted my um, motivation to actually not just sit on my ass and despair. I thought I fully went through a period of, like, fuck this. I'm, it's either nihilism or hedonism. Might as well pick hedonism. can't take that. Have you?
6: Th- what? I said I can understand that. I just, um, I, I've just, so first of all, I'm not really, um, I mean, I, I like to be in the periphery of people, so, you know, I, I, I run a a martial arts school, and, and then at night for five hours, five days a week, I am, I work as a doorman at a very lively tapas, T-A-P-A-S tapas bar, and, um, so it keeps me pretty busy and alert around a lot of people all the time, and, uh but as far as going to a rally or anything like that, the, I've, I, in my life, I believe I've only been to one, maybe just even, I don't even know if you can call it a rally or, or just a, a march, a walk. Um, and it was just with the Zeitgeist movement, um, we just walked from, I, frig, I don't even know where, into Culver City, into some place they had rented out to discuss, and um, it was interesting but I didn't learn much because my head's always been in a cloud and a haze, but somehow um, I'm starting to just see that maybe there's uh, some coherence in getting something actually done, but I don't have the foggiest where to start because I'm always just in my own world, just um, building my own things that I don't. I'm just, it's so crazy how I'm not, I'm not looking very far out or into certain things.
0: I I hear you. So, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that um, the the UFCLP, the United Front Committee for a Labor Party, is a small group and it meets on Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, so that would be 8 p.m. your time. Is that a time when you're available? You might, you might like to at least just go and listen one time. It's kind of interesting to hear them talk about what kinds of things are going on in terms of labor.
6: And, and, and they where do they do that, on Kotlin? On Zoom. Zoom, okay, mm-hmm. all right.
0: If you're inter- if you're interested, I- I'll put my email address in the chat here. Just send me an email, and I'll I'll send you the next invitation to the Zoom meeting. Because it, it it might give you some idea of at least something else that's getting done. You know.
6: All right. Thank you. I
0: appreciate that. Absol- absolutely. This is about. I, I really believe in building community and it's so bizarre to do it from with people from so far away but I love it I don't like I don't like being around a lot of people but I sure do like people working together i can't I can't be at any kind of uh, choral performance without starting to cry because of how. I just find it amazing when people are, I mean, coordinate their voices that way. I think I just sent that. So I put my email there in the chat for you, Hakeem. And, and that goes for anybody else currently here or listening in later. If you send an email to me at civicnow at yahoo.com. With your email address, I will uh, send you an invitation to the United Front Committee for a Labor Party Zoom meeting, and uh, you can come or not. And I'm going to uh, thank you so much for calling in, Hakeem, and and. Martial arts. I, I I've, have seen a couple of your shows, and I, I need to, I need to go to more of them. I highly recommend. What's your show called? Uh, World Reading Club. And uh, Kappa Martial Arts. You should go give him a follow. There's some interesting stuff. So thank you for joining me. Kappa Martial Arts. Thank you. Um, we can have solidarity. You don't have to be in a union to show your solidarity. You just have to be a human being. Because that's all it really takes. We have to work together. Because we are more alike than we are separate. I hope everybody has a great day.